I've, I know I've shared some stories, some Billy Graham stories. I won't go back and share all of those. Some of them, I'm just waiting for them to come to pass. But this one I can share. I was, when I was in West Virginia, somehow, before I met Shirley, I, I know that it was up at Wheaton College where I would go and, and uh, I went to school there for a season. And, of course, Billy Graham had gone there, you know, many, many, many years before. And uh, I would go to the Billy Graham schools of evangelism and things. But somehow I got invited to the International Conference for Itinerant Evangelists in Amsterdam. And, you know, I, I don't know how, that, I can't remember. I'm trying to think, how did I even get to go? I had to fill out an application. They paid my way to go. The Billy Graham Association paid my way. And so I represented America. There, I don't know, there were so many hundreds that came from America. But they came from nations all over the earth. And they gathered in Amsterdam. And that was in the 80s. And, uh, but I got to tell you how, how I got there. You're going to say, how could you have done this? Okay, I'm flying from Clarksburg, West Virginia, to Pittsburgh. A couple hour layover, getting ready to go to Amsterdam. A pilot is in our church, our little church, and he had time. He's in between flights, and he's, we're talking, having a meal. He says, oh, David, I'm glad you've got your passport. I said, Passport. I did not have my passport. I didn't have my passport. And so, you know, I, I, I can't remember how panicked I was, but I had, I was probably pretty panicked. Because what am I going to do when you get to Amsterdam? They're not going to let me go. But anyway, Brian, the pilot, his next flight flew back to Clarksburg. I called Eve Wickheiser. She broke in my little trailer. I lived in a trailer in those days. Got in where my passport was. Drove about 30 miles to Clarksburg. The pilot, I somehow connects with Eve. Then he flies his crew back to Pittsburgh. And just before they close the doors, I'm telling you, literally, Brian is running down in the airport in Pittsburgh with my passport in his hand, passes off my passport. I jump in the door. They close the door and I go to Amsterdam. And I don't, I can't remember. It was an amazing time. I can't believe I did that. But it was incredible, and I'll never forget all the, you know, the, they had many speakers, but the last day, all the nations, the flags of the nations, and you know, it was a, like a recommissioning, you know, to go to, back to your nation and preach the gospel, and it was a glorious time. Anyway, I was thinking of that story this week. God, thank you. I, I cannot believe I got, I'm telling you, it was a miracle, because it was not very, I mean, you didn't have much time to play with, but God did a great thing. And I'm so grateful for Billy Graham. How many of you? He touched your life in some way. And I'm just so thankful for his family and, and uh, for this special time. You know, the gospel is going to be preached all week over the airwaves. It already has since he passed away on the 21st. But the gospel, they'll be playing little, you know, certain little tracks of his preaching. So what a great time to be in the United States. Be ready to share your faith. You know, pick up one of those cards. I think we ran out. I'll have to get some more, those little master cards. But we've got to be ready, be willing to share our faith during this time. I'm going to share some more about Billy Graham later and some prophecies regarding his, his death. And, you know, 99 years old, he's been hanging on for a long time, but I believe it was timely. 
His death was very timely. But I want to do a few things first. One thing is, I felt like last week when we were talking about some sexual addictions and uh, immorality that I, I didn't get a chance to read Hebrews chapter 13. And I wanted just to wrap that little message up. Is that okay if I do that? Because I felt like there was something yet missing that I wanted to to hammer in the ground because this is what God has called us to do, to stand for truth in this hour. Now, before I read in Hebrews, I want to read over in uh, just again in Mark chapter 10. We, we just finished up a Conquer series. How many of you men were a part of that, the Conquer series? Yeah, they're, well, they're scattered about. Some of them aren't here today for various reasons. But most of you, we, we've shared this with you. There's a porn epidemic in America. Six, hey, Jeremy, you don't know this. 60 to 68% of men in American churches are addicted to porn. 50 to 58% of pastors, 20 to 30, 20 to 30% of women. So we, we got this, uh, Conquer series. Not that we're all the men in our church are addicted to porn, but we want to be ready to help those that are. You know what I'm talking about? So we've been going through this series. It's an amazing, hadn't it been an amazing series? Those of you that have been a part of that, there is a part two. So we're going to order that and jump into that later on down the, the line as well. There seems to be that same quietness here on the, as there was on the streets of Charlotte yesterday. So maybe you could just shout amen or something. Just let, let me know you're there. You know, you guys, you got to let us know you're there. And uh, we don't want to be all alone up here. But if we're all alone, that's okay. We'll do, we'll, we'll serve him anyway. We'll preach the word. He's looking for people that will preach the word no matter none go with them. No one will follow them. And, uh, but anyway, let me review this real quickly. Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 6. And uh, remember the law of first mention. Remember that. Well, this scripture tells us the first mention of where God defines marriage. Biblical standard of marriage. You cannot go any further back than the beginning. So it says in verse 6, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Male and female. So we need to trumpet that to our nation right now. You know that, don't you? But... And then for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, and then they will are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God had joined together, let no man separate. And we see that there's a progression in these scriptures that we referred to last week. First of all, and this is the proper order, first you have male and female. And then after that, if God wills and he directs, you have man and wife, or husband and wife. Made up of male and female. And then from husband and wife, you have what? Father and mother. So it's the natural progression that God has set forth in the Scripture. How many of you know it's God's way? It's God's way. It's God's order. It's God's idea. It's God's plan. And we know the devil is doing all that he can to uproot and seek to divide and destroy. You know, someone just said, Shirley was reading this morning. Someone made the comment. You know, it could be, could be, that the young man who did all the shooting, it could have been because his family life was so messed up. You didn't have a father. And, you know, he lost his mother. And I can tell you, there, you know, it's, that's an epidemic in America. There's been, it's been a detailed plan strategy of hell to destroy 
and disrupt the family according to what God is, is his standard. Now look over in Hebrews, because this is what I wanted to read last week, and I didn't get to it. And so, well, these guys, they don't mind if I go back and, and drill it just a moment. Because, you know, we're not just preaching to one another. We're preaching over the Internet. We're preaching in the air over our nation. And his word will not return void. You know, we're not just uh, blowing hot air here. You know, you guys, when you speak God's word and you intercede and you pray, man, this things are happening in the spirit. But uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and he begins in verse 25. See that, and I believe he's speaking to America. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape, who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. And we just read from Mark chapter 14 of the Jesus speaking as to what the definition of marriage is. And then he goes on about the great shaking. And then in verse 28, you know, we will serve him with godly fear. How I many of you know God is going to restore the fear of the Lord? And then verse 29, there's a reminder that our God is a consuming fire. And when we know that he's a consuming fire then the fear of the Lord will naturally come into play there. And then in verse chapter 13, let brotherly love continue. So he's reminding us, make sure you, when you're preaching these messages that you have love, because love covers a multitude of sin. Then in verse 3, he speaks of the prisoners, and in verse 4, of the married. I thought that's interesting, prisoners and marriage in the same context there. But that's, we know that's not what he means. He knows what he means at all. But there are parameters for marriage. You're not a prisoner if you're in marriage, but there are parameters. It's God's standard. And it's going to be that way. It was that way from the beginning. And God's not going to change his mind just because people think God should, you know, get a little bit more update. You need it. We need an updated God. God 10201 or something version. No, he's not going to do that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then he gives in verse uh, 4, marriage is honorable, say honorable, honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Now somebody needs to tell America that today. Fornicators and adulterers, sitting in the church, out of the church, it doesn't matter where they're sitting, God will judge. And then he says in verse 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. And then verse 6, that we would boldly say, how are you going to overcome the sexual addictions of this hour? Because you know it's about to hit the scene. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Remember? Virtual reality porn. It's going to sweep America like a, a storm straight out of hell. It's already in America. And many in the churches are going to be confronted with this challenge. So how do you do it? Well, in verse 6, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Now, honorable means valuable, costly, honored, to be esteemed, to be beloved. Now, the word fornication, it comes from the Greek word. How many of you know where it comes from? Yeah, it's the same word that we get porn from, which also includes adultery, but porn is that which is given to debauchery, it's a sexual addiction. Por pornea comes from the word which speaks of any unlawful lust. 
any unlawful sexual act outside of God's definition. One man, one woman, the two becoming one flesh. Sexual sin outside of marriage. Adultery, on the other hand, refers to the sexual sin of married people. You know, somebody needs to be trumpeting, sounding the alarm in America. God's going to judge adulterers. And so we, we've got to... You have to do it. You have to preach. You have to say what God says. Oh, and by the way, homosexuality is included in fornication because it's a sexual perversion. I don't care if everybody, you know, in cities all across the nation line up at all of the state houses and they sign a petition and they say this is now legal in our eyes. It's still illegal in the eyes of God. And fornicators and adulterers, God will judge Thank God for Billy Graham because, you know, there were little, you could hear little tracks this week, inserts where he would talk about judgment. You know, you, but you don't have to be judged. There's an answer. The answer is the cross. Jesus was judged at the cross and we can turn to him. But if we don't, Revelation 21. Now this has to do, I believe, with the sexual revolution that is sweeping America. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I was thinking about the word liar. And I know that television, the media is filled 24 hours a day they lie, then they lie to cover up their lies. But I didn't feel like to speak about that today. I felt like the Lord said, you know, a lot of liars are sitting in the houses of God. And when God comes as he's coming, Ananias and Sapphire, those who were living one way, they confessed one way, but they had secret sin, things that they harbored that no one else knew, God's going to deal with it. So I'm telling you, what God is doing in this hour, if you have secret sin... Number one, repent. Repent. Number two, stay home. Don't go to church. I'm telling you, don't go when God really floods the land with His glory. Because Ananias, God's going to deal with Ananias and Sapphire. It's going to be a wonderful time. So anyway, I had to, I had to clear that up. Yeah, wonderful time. No, it is true. Liars. i got a whole new definition of that. You know, the Lord, hey, you know, there's a lot of liars in your churches. It's not just the what you speak, it's how you live. You live one way before the world. And there's secret sins. So anyway, I wanted to give ground for us to repent today, you know, and, and then I'll press on into what I have this morning. But if you've been dealing with sexual sin and you've been in bondage, what we found out from this Conquer series you open the door, now you can't do anything about it because there's like tracks that have been created in your mind. And there's this chemical that's released to cause you to act in ways you would not normally want to act. That's why you're stuck in it. The things you want to do, you don't do. You know, and the things you don't want to do, you end up doing. And it, you know, this, this constant battle that's going on. Well, we're going to break that this morning. We can break that. You know, I, they said on the Conquer series, it takes you two to five years to break sexual addiction. And I know that is probably, you know, the normal. But I'm trusting a little bit more than that. I'm trusting in the anointing that breaks the yokes, that cancels. And then you have to, 
you know, be accountable and you have to have a relationship. And I understand that's part of the discipleship. That's why we're doing what we're doing. It's discipleship. But anyway, just every head bowed, every eye closed. Just, I, I want to do something. Please, no one looking around. Because it's, you know, this is something that some people, they've struggled with for years. We don't want to announce it to the world. We just want to deal with it. But if you've been dealing with any kind of a sexual addiction, pornography, if it's been sex outside of marriage or before marriage or whatever, any kind of addiction, just you've been drawn a lust that you know that's unholy. And it's you can't get free from it. Just raise your hand enough for I can know, hey, I need prayer. Just, just a little. God bless you for being honest. Any others, be honest. This is going to be a time of set. God bless you guys. God bless you. So we're going to deal with this right now. So you repent. Say, God, forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. I acknowledge. I confess my sin. And then acknowledge. Say, God, I can't get set free. I can't get free unless you do it. And I come to you right now. And then just say, Lord, I receive your forgiveness and I receive the power of Jesus to break this yoke in my life once and for all. And Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, the one who's died and rose from the dead, we break every addiction, every perversion. Lord, we know that what we discovered that there are tracks in our brain that are created because of this evil but Lord, I'm asking you to cover up the tracks. I'm asking you to make them brand new. Somehow, Lord, remove, restore, heal. We ask for mercy. We ask for supernatural deliverance to break once and for all these addictions and this perversion. And Lord, we make covenant. Let me just encourage you right now. Say, God, I make covenant with you. I make covenant with my eyes. And Lord, I ask you now to, to come and bring deliverance and and give them strength. Lord, you're the, you're the helper. Lord, you're the helper. And so we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And Lord, I believe there's going to be people that's going to walk out of this place this morning set totally free. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 14. And before I share... The prophecies that have been spoken regarding the death of Billy Graham and some other things. But look in uh, Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 15. Let me read the story. It's the parable of the Great Supper. And I believe it's a parable of the times in which we're living. And it, it has to do with our being ready to go out and do the will of God. Because many are the called, but few are the chosen. How many of you ever heard that? You know what I'm talking about. And so there are many that have been called. Many in America have been called to Jesus. But they tried to go their own way or they held on to things that, that are not acceptable. It's not God's way. And uh, so, but the Lord's issuing a fresh call, a fresh invitation. So look in verse 15. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God or eat dinner in the kingdom of God. And he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. There was a lot of agreement, 
lot of unity with this crowd. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of ox, oxen and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, that's interesting, angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you've commanded, and still there's room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, or we've, many of us remember the byways, and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those who were invited shall taste my supper. And Lord, I ask you to give us understanding. God, give us revelation into this parable. God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying in this hour. Lord, we thank you. We can hear your voice saying, come. Because the supper's ready. Lord, we ask you to let it be trumpeted from this place all across the land. God, we thank you that the gospel is going to be preached in many different ways. Through testimonies, through little blurbs on television, all, all this week. And we thank you, God. We're believing you for a great move of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this section is called... The parable of the, the great supper and beginning with verse 15, it's a parable of the kingdom because he said, blessed is he, he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And there are many truths in the Bible concerning the kingdom of God. We've gone over some of these before, but we have a lot of new folks, so I'm going to do it again. Is that okay? It's okay to repeat things. Jesus repeated himself. He just did that in different ways and his disciples eventually got it. A lot of times they, they didn't get it until he would repeat it and he'd remind them. So maybe, you'll, maybe we'll all get some things. But the first thing is regarding the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is coming. There is a coming kingdom of God to the earth. Right? Absolutely. We've been praying this prayer for 2,000 years. In fact, let's all pray it together. You know, just the first part of that, that the Lord's Prayer. Okay? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we'll just stop there. But we've been praying that prayer for 2,000 plus years. How many of you know the Lord's going to answer that prayer? He's going to answer it. The kingdom of God is coming. I shared this, some of you, you're not even going to remember. But I had a dream, it's been a number of years ago, and I was invited to preach at a church in Virginia, and it was a prophetic-type church because, you know, I, I mean, I knew the people, and so I knew this was a prophetic. So somehow I knew this was going to be a prophetic dream. How many of you know you, well, you've had dreams like that, where you're thinking you're dreaming while you're dreaming, and, you know, you're trying to pay attention? It's really a strange dream. Those are the kind that I really pay attention to. So anyway, he introduces me, and I stand up that morning, I look out over the congregation, and out of my mouth comes, The kingdom of God is coming. 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 And that was it. 
That's all I said that day. And when I woke up, I asked the Lord, Lord, what does that mean? He said, it means the kingdom of God is coming. And you better tell him it's coming. And so we know there's an advancement of the kingdom. He's coming. The Lord is coming. And, but, you know, right now he's not only coming, he's issuing a call for you and I, for the world to come to him before he comes. Because that's exactly what it says in verse 17. He says, and he sent his servant at supper time. Say supper time. I remember my mom. How many of you remember? You know, now you guys, you don't play outside. Any, well, you're too old to play anyway. But you, when, we, when you were kids, did you play outside some? Yeah, a little bit. We played out all the time. We didn't have these phones and we didn't have this stuff that occupied us. We went out. When you, could, when you put your clothes on, you ate breakfast, you'd go out and you'd play till it was supper time. You just played all day. You know what I'm talking about? You didn't come inside unless you... Well, we didn't even go inside to use the bathroom. I knew where all the best trees were. You know what I mean? You didn't worry. Why are you going to take time to mess it up and go in the house? Anyway, you know, most of you, some of you, I don't know why I told you. That's all I know what it was. My mom, toward the end of the day, David, supper time. I don't care what you were doing. You dropped what you were doing. And you, you made it. Because there were a few times I did not go as quickly as I should have. And I found out there's a price. You know, there's a penalty. There are wages. The wages of disobeying your mom at supper time. You know. But anyway, I, I learned. And so we would run. And that's what's happening. And he sent his servant at supper time to, to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. And I'm telling you. That's to the churches. He's speaking, come, but also to the lost as well. But we see in the context, he's speaking to those who are supposed to know him. And they're making all the excuses. And so the first thing is, look in verse 18. It says, come, but they with all one accord began to make excuses. This is the, this, these guys are in agreement. There's great unity among this crowd. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. And I ask you to have me excused. And so what's he saying? He's saying right here that I got to go to something I got to see first for myself. There's something I got to witness. I got to see it. There's something that's drawn me away. You remember Eve. You know, she was drawn by to the, she saw the tree, it looked like it was good for food, according to the eyes, and it was desirable to make one wise. And so she was drawn away, and she made an excuse. And we know that sin came. And then the, the second thing is, another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, verse uh, 19, and I'm going to test them, and I ask you to have me excused. So the second one, not only to see... But they had to go do something. There was something they had to go. They had somewhere they had to go and something they had to do. And I'm telling you, we're being bombarded today with things, places to go and things to do other than the will of God. And you have to make a choice. And then the next thing, still another said, I've married a wife. And therefore, I cannot come. And what is that speaking about? I have another commitment. I've got another lover. The someone else that I love more than you, Jesus, to do your will. And there are many, I'm telling you, they're saying that by the way they live their lives right now. 
I have other loves that are more important to me. I've got something I've got to see, something I've got to go and do, and there's something else that I love. And then you know what happened in verse 21. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you've commanded, but there's still room. And then he says, Go out again to the highways and byways. And then in verse 24, For I say to you that none of those... Now this I have to want... God, what do you mean by none of those? None of those. Do you really mean none of those? For I say to you, none of those who were invited shall taste of my supper. I wonder if the Lord, you know, this is written in red. I wonder if he means what he said. I think he does. So he's looking. Right now, there's an issue. There's a, a, a call to come to the supper. Come that his house would be filled. But that's part of the kingdom message, isn't it? The kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is coming. And we've got to be ready. You don't know when exactly all these things are going to unfold. Secondly, about the kingdom, the kingdom is at hand. Remember Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and he said, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And that was the message that Jesus preached, was repentance. And we know that not only is a change of direction, but what else is it? It's a change of your mind. You're changing your mind that the kingdom is not just coming, the kingdom is at hand. It's right here. It's very nigh, very near to you. And then the third thing, the kingdom that we see in the Bible, the kingdom is within us. Remember that scripture where they said, well, where is Jesus? Where's the Son of Man? Some will say he's over here. Some he says over there. He said, listen, the kingdom of God is within you. How many of you remember that? So there's the kingdom within us. And then the kingdom of God in the Bible is the message. It's going to be proclaimed in all the world as a witness. And then the end shall come. But the, the message is going to be preached. I'm telling you right now, there is a call and a commissioning to those who are going to proclaim that message. It is being sounded loud and clear over America. God's raising them up. Those who have excuses, God's going to pass them by. He's looking for those that are ready and that are saying yes to Him. It's just the time we're living. And then the gospel of the kingdom is the, folk, is on, the focus is on the king. There's only one king in this hour. There's no men that are going to be king. It's going to be the king of all kings. And he's on the stage. He's on the platform. So the focus is the king. And then it's... That which we're most to seek after. It's his kingdom and what else? His righteousness. That means we're to seek his kingdom, his rule, his authority, his righteousness in every area of our life. Is that what it, is that what it means? That means even our marriages. Lord, what's your highest? What's your, what's your rule, your authority? It's more important than my love. God, what is your will for my life? Shirley shared that last week. She said she did not want to marry me, remember, because she was in love with me. But what was the will of God for my life, which blew me away when she told me that? You mean you wouldn't marry me because it wouldn't have been God's will for my life? That's pretty, I mean, that's going pretty good, but also for her own life. And uh, so we want 
We want God's will in our families. You know this thing about the separation of church and state? It is far away from biblically being true than you could possibly get. We want the kingdom of God in every area of our life. You don't want godly presidents and godly senators and God. That's one of the reasons we're in the mess we're in. You know, because we would put anybody in office. And some of them, we knew what they believed in. We knew they stood for abortion and we still voted for them. I remember, you know, that scripture. I wish I could shout to the whole nation. But you know that scripture in Ephesians? It says that, you know, God's judgment is on. It mentions all the various you know, sexual perversion, immorality, and things. And it says, and also those who approve of them who do such things. Approve is the same word that you could use as vote. When you vote, you are approving. You're putting your stamp of approval on a man or a woman, and you're saying to God Almighty, I agree with what that man and that woman is standing for. And you're going to stand before God one day and give an account. Because you committed the atrocities he voted for. Now, I wish I could say that to the whole nation. You know I'm trying. I'm telling you, you've got to go for it in this hour. You don't hold anything back. We don't know how much time we have. The wrong crowd gets back in charge. Folks like me are going to be hard to find. I'm just telling you. Persecution will come if the wrong crowd gets back because they are not looking for answers to solutions. They're looking for control. The control of the American people. Once they've gotten control of America, the rest of the world will fall into place. But anyway, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going there this morning. That has nothing to do with what I'm preaching. Where's that coming from? And then the kingdom of God is everlasting. It's an everlasting kingdom. Which probably fits with what I said, because we know that everything is going to be shaken that can be shaken. Even governments and all of that, nations. But the things that God is building will not be shaken. We're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Amen. And I believe all that stuff. Come to the table. Come to the table. I believe God's saying that right now. Come to the table. Go quickly and draw them. From the north, the south, the east, and the west. Those that can hear, they have ears to hear. If you're hungry and thirsty, let them come. Listen, there is a judgment. But Jesus took on judgment for us. Some of you know that. He went to the cross. That was the ultimate act of judgment when he died on the cross. He took upon himself all of our sin, all of our lust, all of our perversion, all of our lies, all of our immorality, all of our fornication. And so we either take all of that with us and stand before God, or we go to the cross and we lay it all down and we stand before God justified. And the word justified means just as if you've never sinned. Can you imagine standing before God after all you've done in your life? You put your trust in the shed blood of Jesus. You surrendered to Him. You repented. You trusted in Him. Then you're going to stand before God. And He's not going to remember one thing that you did in opposition of Him. Can you imagine? This story is almost too good to be true. You can't make this up. You can't, I've been thinking about all the stuff going on. I'm not going to go there, but it's between me and Shirley and how Billy Graham has impacted my life over, oh, all these years. And I told her the other day, Shirley, you cannot make this stuff up. This is just stuff that just, one day I'm going to write a book about it. 
It's just an amazing, but I want to see it happen. I don't want to just tell people the stories. I want to know. I want to see the power of God. I want to see Him exalted in this nation. And He's going to do it. He's going to do it. God's going to have... He loves this nation. I was thinking about some of those people that even cursed Billy Graham. Did you, you, some of you read that. You know, there were some that came out the most unbelievable blasphemies. You know, just putting him down. And I thought, God, you know, my flesh wanted to defend him. And then I thought, wait a minute. God, you died for these people. You sent your son to die for them. This message is for them. So let's just pray for them a little bit harder. Because God, you know, I, I heard someone this week, they was on Fox right after he died, and actually it was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Jeffries is his name. And Billy Graham used to be a member there. And then he, you know, now he's, he was a member when he died at, over in Montreat and uh, Black Mountain. But um, they asked Dr. Jeffries, he said, what do you think Billy Graham would say to us this morning if he could address the nation the day after he died. And he said, I know exactly what he would say. I have no question. I know exactly what he would say. He'd look at the cameras. He would say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's exactly what he would say. Now, I feel like James and others, I think we need to respond to what's happening. Right now in the land. There's a call being issued to those who will sound the alarm and sound the trumpet and go out and bring in a great harvest so that his house can be full. And maybe the Lord will give us some understanding. What did you mean, Lord, by all of those who were invited but they made excuses? When it all boils down to it, they won't be in the crowd. You know what I think... I don't know if this is a, thus saith the Lord, but I have a feeling this is the same supper that's spoken of in the book of Revelation, the marriage supper of the Lamb, where all things were made ready. But there are many that were about their own lives, their own schedule, their own going and doing and seeing. Remember the days of Noah? Jesus said, as, it in, as was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the, the coming of the Son of Man. They were marrying and giving in marriage. In other words, there were people living their own lives, going about, doing, seeing, buying, selling, marrying, divorcing, doing all those things. But they missed him. They missed him when he came. It's something to consider. So there are some prophetic words that I want to share. That uh, some of you probably seen them. You know about what would happen when Billy Graham died. The, one of the words, I'm going to start here first, because you've got to cover this side. And then we'll start with the rough one and end with the better one. Is that okay? Anybody, would you rather, or you may start with the better and end with the rough. No, no, no. Because he's sitting, well, he's not there, but his bones are right over there. Bob Jones, he prophesied. That when the death of Billy Graham would be the, be the beginning of hell breaking out on earth. And heaven on earth. He said both. I've tried to find some of the folks that have used that prophecy. Some of them leave out the first part. They skip, you know, and they go right to the second part. The heaven's about to break out on the earth. They forget that also hell. Listen, we don't even have to remember a prophetic word. 
Isaiah tells us, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the glory of the Lord shall arise over you. So we have the promise in the Scripture. I mean, can you not see the devil's crowd getting a little bit more bolder? I mean, they're really getting bold, confident, cocky, ultimate pride, you know. It's amazing when you watch this stuff. But the Lord's crowd, now yes, we should be getting more bold, but we should also be becoming, becoming more humble and bold. How do you become humble and bold at the same time? I just think there's a way to do it. You speak the word, you speak the truth. You're not going to be politically correct, but you humble. I believe humbling yourself is being who God made you to be. Just saying what he told you to say. How much more humble? You just do. the. You know, this stuff is, well, I'm just going to be humble and stay out of sight. It ain't time to be out of sight. It's time to get in the way. Time to get in the highways and byways. And do the will of God. And, and you guys know that. But there's going to be unrest in the world. Remember what Sadhu, the, you know, Sadhu Savaraj said about us? He said this would be a place of refuge during a time of persecution and war. This week I heard, and just, you know, the media is not going to tell us this stuff. They don't want Americans to know, but we got word to watch Eugene Bach. Yeah, so I, I got the word, and so I shared that with some people that were wherever whatever meeting we were at. So we watched Eugene Bach, and he's over, you know, in China, and he knows the things that are going on, and he's the guy that wears the ball cap, you know. He's, he's like, to me, he's like an Indiana Jones of missions. I mean, he really is. This guy is an amazing, I can't even believe he comes here, you know, that we, that we have someone like that that comes, that goes into behind the scenes, winning ISIS to Jesus and things. He's incredible. But he was telling us, What's really going on in Syria? Did you know the United States bombed an encampment? We killed, the estimate is at least 100 Russians, possibly 300. And, and Eugene was saying, hey folks, wake up. When's the last time one to 300 Russians were killed by American bombs? Do you know what's happening here? Or is anybody sounding the alarm? Now... I looked it up because he gave the name. It was called the Wagoner Group. They were not Russian soldiers. They were actually a paramilitary organization, like Blackwater. They're Russian citizens, like Blackwater, and they were there, and they were killed by American missiles. It's a serious thing. And now we, we see that other stuff's going on in Syria. Uh, I saw where Russia's bringing in the big weapons, the big boys. North Korea, on Fox this week, said war will come by April. How many of you saw that? And there are many that are saying that too. I heard a senator, he's uh, from Iowa, I believe he was. He said what is going to happen is will be a biblical proportions. And Americans don't even know, they're sound asleep. And then of course we know with how... China has moved 500,000 troops to the border of North Korea. And there's so many other things. Iran, Israel. I've been hearing alarms about Israel for a long time. And so now Hezbollah has what 
1,500 missiles. No, no, no. 150,000 missiles aimed at Israel. And they know David's sling could stop a few, but you're not going to stop 100. There's no way possible. You're not going to. And so all the nations of the earth are gearing up for war, except American people. They're, they're caught up in all of the garbage and the Russian collusion. While those who are accusing Russia of colluding are colluding themselves. They're in, the, they're in bed with the devil. That's who they're in bed with, not just the Russians. They're in bed with the devil. But anyway, all the, you know, how does a pastor respond when you hear about Syria, China, you know, uh, North Korea, Russia, all these things? What do you do? Just go on like nothing's happening. No, you sound the alarm. You tell the truth. Get your house in order. I believe that's what Sadu was telling us. Get your house in order. If you're not right with God, man, you need to get right now. You need to surrender to Him. There is everlasting. There's hope. But you've got to tell the truth. The wages of sin is death. But. It doesn't end there. How many of you are glad it doesn't end there? But, thank God, the, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that wages of sin affects individuals. It affects nations. Nations that have forsaken God. And they say, we're going to go our own way. We'll find their own way. will not lead to where they'd really wanted to go. How I many of you know that? There's a way, even for nations. And so God's calling America right now. Calling our nation. You know, I wish someone, when they had this shooting in Florida, and maybe they did, they're just not telling us. But somebody said, hey, listen, why don't we have prayer gatherings around America? You know, I think I did hear one of the students ask our president to let them start praying again in school or something like that. I saw one of the students, something like that. Let God come back or something like that. What a novel idea. Invite God back in the nation. That would be an incredible thing. Because I only know one hope. You're not going to win this thing with military, your, your, your weapons. You're going to win it on your knees. We're going to win it trusting in God. We're going to win it because this life is just passive. We're just pilgrims. We don't know. There's no guarantee in this life. But thank God that's not the only prophecy. Yes, what Bob said, but he also said the second part is there would be great heaven released on the earth. How many of you saw that prophecy of Benny Hinn, TBN, and uh, Mark Sharona? How many of you saw that? This was way years ago. Maybe if you didn't see it, we'll tell you what happened. But years ago, they're gathered together on the TBN set. And Mark Sharona is prophesying about a great coming move of God, great revival. And uh, Benny Hinn stands up and says, and it's going to begin when God takes Billy Graham home. Now, I don't know, you know. It says test prophecies. Don't despise them for one thing. Some people just despise prophecies. We're not going there. I'm not going to despise them. But you test all things. But even if it's not true... God's word is true. It's God's will that none should perish. But all should come to repentance. And I know there's going to be because he said that the spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh. And so I'm getting ready for that. I'm believing for the fact. This goes back to one of the first promises God gave me before I got into ministry. He told me that one day I'd be a part of the greatest revival America's ever known. And I've shared that with you many times. And I'm not giving up the ship. 
I'm not throwing in the towel. I don't care what comes hell or high water. I don't care what the devil does. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is mightier. Our God is God. There's no other God but our God. There's no rock like our rock. There's no God that's mighty to save like our God. And then the third thing, there's the prophecy of a great harvest. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail again. But I remember the dream I had of Billy Graham. And remember, I've shared this, so I'm not going to share it again. I want to just see it happen. But I will share this one part. I saw him carrying books in his arms after his death. One book, I've always believed, represented all of the people that came to Christ through his ministry. The other book was a book of those who would come to Jesus as a part of a last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I, ever since that dream, I've been, God, I want to be a part of filling up that book. I want to see that book filled, all the pages. I want them to have to add pages to that book. You know what I'm talking about. Because it's His will that none should perish. And so we know the harvest, and, and we could go into those scriptures, but we won't. But we know it's great. It's God's, it's God's, He's, you know, He's the Lord of the harvest. And then He's raising. What's He looking for in this hour? Laborers. But what did he say about them? He said they're few. Not only are the few, all have been invited. Not only are the few coming, because they're all making excuses, but they'll even be fewer than the few who will be among the laborers. But God will use those that are yielded to him. Those who will take up their cross, though none go with them. I remember that song way back in those early days. You know, though none go with me, yet I will follow. Used to have those kind of songs that would stir us on to faith. Wherever he leads, I'll go. How many of you remember that old hymn? Wherever he leads. I don't know how many times I've remembered that hymn. Because there have been times I didn't know if I wanted to go where he was saying go. But I would remember and I'd say, wherever you lead, God, I'll go. you got to have that kind of heart. You have to have that kind of commitment. I had a dream the night before Billy Graham died. Actually, I think it was in the early mornings. Because I've been, you know, you, you go to sleep soundly and then you wake up somewhere three, four, five, you know what I mean? And, you know, then you, you go back to sleep. It was when I went back to sleep. I wish there was a remedy sometimes, you know. You'd never ever, you'd just sleep eight hours solid. I think... That's probably God's plan. He gives his beloved sleep. I'm his beloved. Lord, I'm David. I'm one of your beloved. You give your beloved sleep. I stand on that word. But I remember, who cares? Let's we sleep for all of eternity. There's things to do. There's things to pray and things to be about. But anyway, I had this dream in that second part of my sleep where Rodney Howard Brown finally came to our church. But he didn't come to preach. He came to see what God was doing. I said, God, am I supposed to share that? Because, you know, there's always a little bit of wondering. You know, am I interpreting this, you know, the right way? But it sure seemed in that dream because he was sitting down. He came to see what God was doing. I believe people are going to come to churches all over America again to see what God is doing in the house. They've seen the best of what men have to offer. And now they're going to come see what God is doing. 
And they're never going to be the same. I believe we've entered a new era. I can't tell you how much I loved him, Billy Graham, how much he impacted my life, not only sending me to Amsterdam, but all of those schools of evangelism, and the dream that I had and where I met him and, and many more things all along the years. And, um, but there was such a quietness yesterday standing along that street. And what was really strange is it was not quiet when we were walking down the street. There was a, a radical group that was demonstrating their, their, you know, thing, their cause. And they were loud. Shirley and I were trying to befriend them, trying to be nice to them. They wouldn't even look us in the eyes. Trying to be, oh, wow, you guys are against abortion. That's great. I am, you know. But anyway, they were radical, mean. They were filled with hate. It was hate and they were loud. And they looked, they looked apart. They looked tough. You know, I mean, after we realized, hey, wait, they may not be wanting our friendship right now. We kind of moseyed on down. But I wonder, are they still going, are they going to keep yelling? No. When the, when the procession came, everybody got quiet. You could almost hear a pin drop. It was just quiet. Very honorable. And I tell you, an era... Yes, we need men like that in America. We lost a great man. We need a generation that will trumpet the truth of the gospel. That they'll not get off on all the side issues and, and they'll stay true to the course that God called them to. But you know what? I believe he's got a generation right now on the earth. I believe it's not the end. It's the beginning We've entered a new era in this nation. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to grab hold of it. I'm grabbing hold with all I've got. Because I want to see what God's going to do in this land one more time. One more time. One more time. I believe God held Billy Graham for 99 years. It was not time. He could have died at 89. Don't you know heaven was waiting for him to come? Don't you know, they would say, would you bring your servant, Billy Graham? We want him, we want to hear this gospel preached up here in heaven. I don't know what they were waiting for. But God waited till he was almost 100 years old, 99 years old. It was God's perfect timing. And it's God's perfect timing now for you and for me to take our place. And I can tell you, the Lord's saying, come, come. One more thing. Can I take a few more minutes? Five more minutes? Because I want to go look in Romans chapter 1. It's only noon. We have eternity. Literally. But I want to show you this in Romans chapter 1. Because I believe this is how we're to respond this morning. And, um, and then just let God be God. But Romans chapter 1 verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Someone said that's how you know that, you know, Paul was a southerner. I thank God for you all. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Well, I don't know about the first part, but I know, wouldn't it be amazing if God 
so moved among us, or moved in churches again in all in this nation, where their faith was spoken of throughout the whole world. You know, America, there are many... Our enemies are watching what's happening. You know, they, they see the nation. They see the division. They see those that have set... They've lined up with the devil. And they're, they're, headed, they're bringing America toward destruction unless God intervenes. And there are people that are right in line with them, step by step, and they cannot see what's happening. But wouldn't it be amazing if once again, all over the world, if our faith was being spoken of, the faith of the American Christians, the American church, you know, somebody in Tanzania, hey, did you hear what happened in a place called Moravian Falls, North Carolina? Did you hear what's going on? I saw it in the latest tribal news. It was a blurb. I just saw it quickly. And not just here, but somebody in Kenya saying, did you hear what happened in Kansas City? God's moving. They had... A hundred thousand people saved in Kansas City, Missouri. You know, stuff, it's, I'm telling you, God wants to do it again. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests, if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. So this was Paul's desire. He was looking for a way, not his own way, but a way in the will of God. You know what I'm talking about. For I long to see you that I may impart a spiritual gift. But notice down in verse 13. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered. I was hindered. Hindered means I was forbidden. I, it, I was kept for some reason. I was being withstood. It wasn't the right time. Whatever it was, I was hindered until now. Say that, until now. If you forget everything I say and you go back to Virginia, I want you to remember that. Until now. Okay, I want you to remember that. Until now. That I might have some fruit among you. Also, just as among the other Gentiles. And then he says in verse 14, there are four things I think that we need to take with us as we close. Number one, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. What does it mean to be a debtor? You're a debt. You're in debt. You're under obligation. You, you have a duty to perform, a debt to pay. And Paul was saying this, I'm in debt. I believe Billy Graham lived his life as a debtor to the world. He owed the world the message that God had given him. The message of Jesus, His Son, God's Son. And you and I, we're in debt to freely we've received. Now, freely give. God's not pouring into us so that we will be super blessed saints. He's pouring into us so that we would be spilled out in broken vessels in His hand to be used to heal others, to bring others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then the second thing, look in verse 15. So, I'm not only a debtor, so as much as in me, I am ready. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. We were talking this week and James was reminding me back during the Jesus movement, you know, God was moving in America. Many hippies and many in that generation were coming to Christ. But as a whole, the church was not ready. There were some that were. 
But many weren't ready, and so they weren't discipled. And what didn't you tell me that many today in the left, the real radical left movement, some of them were a part of that Jesus crowd, Jesus movement, but they were never discipled, never really taught the Word of God to stand. And somehow many of them swayed away and went their own way. And they grabbed hold of what they don't even know what they're grabbing hold of today. But we're ready. Say, I'm ready. Listen, it's written in the volume of our hearts. I'm ready. Remember Jesus said, I delight to do your will. It's written in the volume of the book. This is like a book. Your heart is like a book. The books that I saw in the arms of Billy Graham, you got a book right now in your heart. And it's written in that book, I delight to do your will, Father. It's the Father's will. The only thing that will bring you pleasure is doing the Father's will. That's the ultimate. And, and Jesus himself said, it's not those who say, those who do all these things, but those who did the will of the Father. We've got to be ready. And then the next thing, he said, I'm not, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Say, I'm not ashamed. You know he's going to test you about that. He's going to see if you're ashamed or not. You ever been in a crowd and the name of Jesus somehow comes up and there's like a cringe? You know what I mean? He's like a cringe. I don't know if I want to be identified with that name or not. He's testing his people. Those who put their trust in him, he said they will never be put to shame. God breaks the shame. Now I know there's... Counselors tell us we need to go on and break all the shame in other areas and all of that. And, I, and maybe, and I'm not disregarding that, but as far as being ashamed of Him, when you come to the cross, your, your shame should be nailed to the cross. And, and that's one way that God is dividing those that really know Him from those who were just pretenders. Those who were invited, but those who came. Those who said maybe, but those from those who said yes. I'm not ashamed. Well, I really appreciated one thing Billy Graham would always do. You know, when he would share, the, when he'd give the invitation, he would say, we're calling you publicly. Remember that? How many of you remember? He said, why do you, you ask me, why do we want you to come publicly? He said, because everyone Jesus called was publicly. And Jesus said, if you deny me before men, if you're ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. And there are many people right now in our churches all over the land. They're in line to be shamed by the Lord Jesus and they don't even know it. And God wants to remove that. God wants to send fresh fire. He wants His church to erupt with courage and boldness. And with a new love. A new passion to do the will of God. And then the, the last thing says, I'm a debtor. I'm ready. I'm not ashamed. Well, where's the next one you say? I don't see another, I am not, or I am. But it's there in verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. In other words, I will live by faith. I will live by faith. I'm a debtor. I'm ready. I'm not ashamed. I will live by faith. And God's looking for people that make that commitment. Amen. You guys with me? There may be, as we get ready to close, there may be someone watching, maybe someone here, 
that you've never really surrendered to Jesus, never really given your heart to Him. You've been ashamed of Him, and you know it. You're not where you once were. Maybe, you know, one time you were on fire for God. You know the most dangerous position to be in today is to be lukewarm. You don't want to be lukewarm. It would be better that you're hot or cold. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, did he mean what he said? Yes, he meant what he said. He's not this wimpy little Santa Claus that many in America have made him out to be. He's a holy God. There's only one way to him, and that's total surrender of laying down our life and trusting in his death and resurrection, but also taking up our own cross and following him. And we've often said here, you know what it'll do to die? You know what it means to die daily? It means to die daily. Taking up your cross will kill you. But that's when you find life, right? Amen. So there's some that you're watching, you've never surrendered to him. But I'm telling you, I don't know how much time we have left. I'm not talking about that time. I'm talking about as a nation. Folks, if nuclear war begins, it's not going to be good. I know in Hawaii they were getting them ready saying, hey, go hide in your closet or go hide under your sink. You ain't going to hide anywhere from nuclear war. Where are you going to hide? Where are you going to run to? What shelter? Did you know in Russia they've been having drills where their people know where the underground shelters are? Do you know where your underground shelter is? We don't have any. I tell you, there's so much more. I go, but I can tell you where you have a, a shelter in the storm, no matter what comes our way. I don't know how much time we have, but I tell you, we got to shout the gospel while we can. We got to pray, God, my children, Lord, I call, pray them into the kingdom. Don't give, don't, there's no plan B. They're going to be saved, period. You, you got to have that commitment now. My neighbors, listen, be bold. Some of your neighbors are going to hell. You're the answer. You're the only Jesus they're ever going to see. They used to tell us about this. They quit telling us. Now they started telling us, well, go prophesy. You could prophesy to them. That would be all right. They might be encouraged. But what if they're lost? Give them the only answer. Give them eternal life. You're, you're not going to remember your words, but you're going to remember for all of eternity if you rejected Jesus Christ. I'm not opposed to the prophetic. We're all for it. We love this. But there's a higher calling. There's a higher love. There's a higher message. And his name is Jesus. And I tell you, many in the prophetic movement made a mockery of this. They worshiped the prophetic and they made a pathetic thing of it. They forgot the cross. They forgot the message of the cross. God's going to raise up a generation that's going to preach the cross again. But anyway, I don't know how I got off into all that. I thought I was over. You know, I'm having a good time. What I was trying to say is, we've got to live for him while we have an opportunity, is what I'm saying. Because nuclear war, don't, even, don't go out of here worrying about that. You know, things, you could get hit by a semi when you pull out. It's not going to happen either. I'm not going to break that. It ain't going to happen. But you know what I'm talking about. We're not promised tomorrow. Nobody's promised tomorrow. So anyway, if you've never met Jesus, this is your day of salvation. This is the hour. This is the moment for America. 
over these next weeks, the gospel is going to be heard even on NBC by accident. They're going to play a little blurb of Billy Graham. And Billy Graham's going to say, repent, turn to Jesus, go to the cross. He's the only answer. God, let it happen. Anoint those little commercials and little newscasts, God, on CNN, CNN. The most anti, I'm just going to be honest, the most anti-Christ network of them all is going to actually preach the gospel a little bit this week. A little bit, maybe not much, but it only doesn't take much. God's word, when God's word goes forth. It'll never return void. But you've got to know him today. Right now, if you're watching or in, your, in this room, you say, man, I've been under conviction, but you keep going on. Give me the opportunity. Okay? Let's, hey, let's just bow our heads. Let's just bow. You say, I want to know Jesus. I'm going to make sure that I'm saved, that if this was my last day on the earth, I would go to heaven. I would live for all of eternity. Remember what Jesus said, though you die you shall live. If you know Jesus, death is not the end. It's just the beginning of all of eternity. Everlasting life. Jesus died so that you can live. He was judged so that you can be set free. And so if you want to know Him, and right now the Holy Spirit is drawing you, let me just, I want us to pray. And everybody pray out loud as a reconfirmation of your faith. But those of you that want to know a Savior, you want to know Him, you mean it. And if you call upon the Lord, it says you shall be saved. You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. So just say, Dear God, say it out loud. Dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus. That He is the Son of God. That He died on the cross. And that He rose from the dead. He lived a sinless life. And I confess that I'm a sinner. I failed you. I've lived my own way. But now I turn my life over to you. I receive you, Jesus, into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sin. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your resurrection. And now by faith I receive you. And I make you my Lord. And I thank you that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. For I'm calling on your name. I'm believing in you. I'm trusting in you as my Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven that I could live for you in this moment. And bear all the fruit that you've intended. In Jesus' name.